Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, live rendition of Chapel Bell Curve ASMR. You may be driving home right now. It's 554, stuck in Atlanta traffic, and I'm here with Nathan. I've got many things I'm going to tap my acrylic nails on here over the next hour, and I hope you enjoy your time. And I'm Nathan, and uh, my voice isn't this sexy. I just am recovering from a head cold. I don't like ASMR very much, but I hope you're all having a good day. Oh, it's, Do you like this? I hate it. I hate ASMR so much. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Belker, stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today, we're going to be previewing the upcoming season home opener with the University of uh, Alabama. Alabama at Birmingham. That was like, which articles are they? They're, where do they go? The University of Alabama at Birmingham Blazers, which, uh, you know, very exciting to have a uh, home game. Back in Athens, I guess. It is exciting, right? But, I mean, it, it is and it isn't. It is and it isn't. Yeah, that's kind of, that's why I stalled and said all those things the way I said them, because I'm trying to be excited about these. I'm going camping this weekend, so I don't have to worry as much. But uh, my fellow Athenians, be be steadfast <laughs> in the things that you do this weekend. Be safe, my friends. But Given that I have a negative test um, uh-huh. for COVID, I'm going to go probably. But oh, yeah. it still sort of feels like, like what are we doing? I, I don't know, man. It's just like, I, I'm vaccinated and I'm going to go. And I just feel like a lot of, you know, we're already at like 90 something percent capacity in hospitals around Athens. And I get it. I get that a lot of y'all like do not listen to this um, so that you can like think about COVID. And I get that sports is an escape, but I think it's just worth at the outset. Even though I'm going to go, I think it's worth at least considering like, hey, wear a mask, get a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, we want to keep everybody safe. And, you know, you taking your drunk ass downtown unvaccinated and unmasked does not keep anybody safe. So, so yeah, yes. that's our COVID announcement at the very top of the episode. Yeah. So now let's get into football, I guess. Yeah. Now that it, now that everybody <laughs> else is like <laughs> now that the uh, now that we've lost, quote unquote, 50 percent of the populace, according to our reviews. Let's uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this matchup. Yeah, yeah this is uh, as we said, UAB Blazers uh, against these Georgia Bulldogs. Very exciting time. Um, looking at this schedule a few years back, I remember it being scheduled, and I've always had a soft spot for the Blazers just based on what they've gone through over the past decade. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they their program was killed. Their program came back. They've since won, I believe, three conference championships, uh, which is pretty fantastic uh, for something that was. It was effectively dead in 2013 and came back from the ashes, largely uh, due to the hard work of one head coach, Bill Clark. So uh, shout out to that guy. But they tell a good story. So I'm, I'm a big fan of a good story, as we all know. And, and you probably are as well, being uh, who you are. Uh, and most people are listening to this as well. Uh, and my Discord yeah. server uh, has said to, of course, mention Dr. John Knox. It was probably him. Mostly him. Yeah, Dr. Uh, Knox. Uh, one of, if not the best instructor I've ever had in Mm -hmm. uh you know my entire time at i mean at uga or anywhere pretty pretty much like he he teaches weather and climate introduction at uga and he went to uib um, i believe for his doctorate um anyway 
So I, really I, good yeah. guy. Also, yeah, board of education member, former board of education member yeah. here in Athens, Clark County. Just an oh, overall good guy. One other PSA: I am recovering from a head cold, so I know I said this at the beginning, but please, I, I'm not dying. Just, I'm just working through it right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try just to just, through it. I'm gonna try to put in like a workman, like, uh, you know, sort of plowman's style, journeyman style uh, effort today. But I, I know that probably the the energy is going to be a little bit down. Um, so I looked up the Winsipedia for these teams and mm-hmm. they've only played twice. And of course, Georgia has had uh, by far the more effective, uh, pretty much everything uh, more, more uh-huh. of everything than UAB because of the nature of the programs. UAB has only had a program back to 1991. I don't know if you know that um, was their first, that. was their first year. Yeah. They have two conference championships, as you said, um, they, you know, UGA played them in 2006, which was a 34 to nothing win. That was my first year. I think that was like my second or third game as a red coat. It was hot as balls. And 2003, <laughs> which was a 16 to 13 win, uh, by UGA, which is, you know, kind of presaged some things to come for in the Kirby smart or the, uh, Mark Rift era. Um, I mean, What's the subjective narrative coming into this about these teams or about UGA? Like, what what have you seen? I mean, there's not much history to speak of really here. So, what are what are we seeing? Not subjective so narratives thing wise that you want not to talk a whole about? lot of subjective narratives. Uh, the, the you know the only things that they've really that I've seen uh, are of course you know saying how much how big a deal this game is for UAB. Not because anybody thinks that they're they're probably going to win. I don't think there's any scenario in which they win this game. Um, I say that now. I'm knocking on wood now. You know. Um, I'm not a superstitious man. I am a stitious man, but um, there is not, I don't think there are many scenarios in which his team wins. However, with everything going on right now in college football regarding the potential for reshuffling conferences, this is a big game for them to be playing the number two Georgia Bulldogs to sit and show why they belong in a better conference. Uh, They're one of, they are one of, if not the best group of five teams, I feel. Um, And so, they have a good chance of, of heading over to a, a bigger conference and therefore having just a just building the dynasty further, I think. So this is the best game they'll have all season, uh, the biggest notoriety-wise game they'll have all season. So it's a, it's a great time to kind of show off and show what they can do. And uh, we're going to talk the stats in a second. It's a small sample pool, of course, being just one game, but they look good. They shut out uh, Jackson. I think it's Jacksonville State they played mm-hmm. last year, weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, shut them out 31 to zero looks really good, but we'll get into those in a second. I know um, before we go any further into UEB specifically, there was a subjective narrative, just a headline, uh, not even that subjective. It's just true. It's a fact that uh, a headline I, I read this morning and really enjoyed was Clemson falls out of top four for the first time since 2017. And you know, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is how I feel uh, about it. Yeah. You know, we have a longstanding feud with Davo Swinney. Um, because it's just who he is as a human. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, that brings me great joy. Uh, well, I mean, we're kind of burying the lead news-wise, dude. Have you heard about the whole JT Daniels thing? I know you have, yeah, like, a real we'll get job. into the Georgia subjective narratives now at this point. Yeah, so, yeah, there's lots of things going on. Um, you know, there were a lot of question marks coming out of last weekend about Georgia's offense, and that is seemingly everything and anything anybody can talk about right now regarding this Georgia team. The defense left no questions to be asked. However, 
Uh, the offense left many questions. And then we heard about the health of JT Daniels. Uh, working through an oblique injury, um, still practicing, taking some snaps with the first team, uh, however limited, but Carson Beck is now also taking snaps with the first team as well, um, splitting those snaps and reps. So, um, yeah, everyone's out here talking about how bad our offense is, and then this thing happens. And so are we, I guess, priming ourselves up for another quarterback controversy? Where do you feel about these things? Um, well, I mean, I think it's pretty possible that JT Daniels still starts. Everything I've heard is that he is literally day-to-day, not like Kirby mm-hmm. Smart day-to-day, where it's like we all know Darnell Washington is out, and they still say he's day-to-day, but like literally actually day-to-day. So um, I think there's still a chance that he starts, although you know some people will tell you that like, it's already been decided uh, Beck is going to start, etc. But um, I mean, I, I think this is not a, an Eason from situation for a couple of reasons. One, you know, he, this isn't a broken angle. Nothing that I've heard indicates that this is anything other than just sort of like a nagging, aggravating injury. We don't know if it happened before or during the Clemson game, but we know that, you know, it's now there. It happened before. Well, it did happen before, apparently. It was something that happened in a, a, a practice in oh. late August is what okay, I read so earlier. Yeah. Well, that really, like, changes your analysis of the game plan in the Clemson game, I would say, too, right? Like, if you know that you, you're dealing with a nagging injury and your quarterback and they have a good defensive line, being conservative makes a lot more sense. Um, mm-hmm. As for quarterback controversy, I really don't think there is one. I, I mean, I think JT Daniels is just so much more experienced than Jacob Eason was. I think so much more proven than Jacob Eason was and is. Um, I, you know, I think whenever Daniels comes back, the seat will be his. Um, you know, if Beck, mm-hmm. if we start Beck, I think, I think at the very least, Beck's going to get a lot of run. Right, he's going to get a lot of playing time. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that he'll start, but I think, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he played most of the third quarter or, or some of the second or whatever. Um, but I don't I don't really think that this is a in any kind of controversy. Honestly, I, it, it's it's too uh, JT is too proven. Right. We need we need him to take a step yeah. forward, but he's shown what he can do even over a short sample size more than Eason yeah. has. Um, yeah, I think there, there's a few scenarios that we could expect out of this if Carson Beck does play or if he starts either way, there's. You know, he starts and he does great. And then the I guess the average football fan is, is going to be upset based on these two games because they didn't see one dude throw touchdowns and they saw another dude throw touchdowns or run mm-hmm. the ball in that. You know, that's the the, the layman's the the plowman's football, if you may. Now when <laughs> we're talking about plowman's meals and whatnot. Uh, the other scenario is that he just goes out there, I think, and he hands the ball off real good mm-hmm. uh as previous quarterbacks have done here at georgia as well so uh, we have a great running back core and we're going to get into the stats in a second and talk about how it looks like the the biggest chink in the the uab armor is their rushing defense so i think that's probably the most likely scenario and then uh, another scenario would be that they just split reps the, the game and that's that's possible too uh you know get into a situation of uh a, a third down passing yard situation and you put jt back in um mm-hmm. so I don't know, but I think it is just a conservative move. Yeah. It's nothing about his performance by any means. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think it, it is interesting, and we can talk about this more when we get into like what we want to see and what we expect. I think it is going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see what the game plan is because you sort of have, I think, attention in what you want. Like, Obviously, if you want to get the win, you just run the damn ball, and I think you could mm-hmm. probably run the ball 60 times against UAB. Um, regardless of what their defensive rank is after one game and win the game. 
but you also want to develop some continuity in your receiving core. Um, you know, so let, let's talk about stats first before we get into like what we're going to yeah. see. Um, do you want to run us do you down? Want to run through these? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Just to save, save yeah. me for myself. Save the boy's <laughs> voice. Uh, yeah. So we have some advanced stats here. This is all uh, EPA. Uh, when Georgia has the ball on offense, uh, it doesn't look great right now. If this was later in the season, we'd be more concerned. But of course, this is after one game against uh, most likely the best defense we will play all season, uh, at least in the regular season. So overall EPA for Georgia on offense, 92nd. Uh, passing EPA is 85th. Uh, rushing EPA, 92nd. Uh, first down, second down, and third down in that order is 76th, 93rd, and 88th. Uh, to UAB's defense, overall EPA 7, passing EPA 7, rushing is 46. First, second, third in that order is 22nd, 16, and 4th. So a pretty big disparity there between those two with Georgia's offense versus UAB's defense. But I think that after a, a fairly successful game this weekend, which we expect to see, these stats will look a great deal different. I think that UAB's defense could still enjoy a, a pretty high uh, high ranking overall, but Georgia's offense should go up. Um, but what yeah, are you seeing? So, yeah, I mean, so this is just EPA over one week, right? Estimated points added, added mm-hmm. on average per play or denied per play. So, um, and I, 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 uh, got these stats going manually and I made a little stat sheet for it, which if you join our Patreon, you can see under our statistics, uh, under our statistics channel on our discord, um, patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. Anyway, uh, what, well, I mean, I think the biggest <laughs> thing to me is that this really shows the sort of, um, I guess inherent, one of the inherent in issues in, uh, advanced analytics in football, which is that college football, you only get 12 samples, right? And so we're dealing with a really mm-hmm. small sample size at this point. EPA is a very clean stat, uh, and these numbers are filtered for garbage time. Of course, uh, UGA didn't have any garbage time last year, but or last week. But while these numbers are filtered for garbage times, you know this is still a, a very very small sample size. And and I and I mean I think there are some things you can take away, right? Like I mean UAB played a pretty good team at and pretty much like dominated them on both sides of the ball front to back. Now UAB's offense doesn't run the ball very well. 87th and rushing EPA. Now they probably didn't need to. Now I, I, I think it's interesting because like, you know, you get up early and you sort of like can't afford to run the ball, but they didn't even do it very well when, you know, they could afford to, although I guess you could also say Jack state knew they were probably going to run, um, you know, rushing EPA 46. That's just like average. I, I, Third down EPA fourth overall that kind of stands out to me for UAB's D just because um, you know it tells me that their passing defense was actually consistently good they weren't just good like you know protecting underneath routes being able to defend third down is a big deal um, I mean look UJ's overall uh, defensive EPA is fourth I think that's probably low right now honestly and yeah. and I think this is also the value of metrics like SP plus and stuff. Right. And it's also the value of metrics because the, those uh, include recruiting rankings. So like if we look at the to bring in a couple of more advanced statistics, if we look at our team talent, talent composite, UGA's talent index is 1000, uh, 1,001.79, which is just like a combination of their class rankings over four years, counting transfers. Uh, that's second in the nation to Alabama. UEB's is 444.37, which is 92nd. So, I mean, you have to. In the same way that we constantly are like small sample size, small sample size, we're still using last year's data. We're still using, you know, returning production that it, it's actually true in reverse, right? Like 
UGA, yeah. uh, like when we have just EPA, we're not using any of that returning production or uh, recruiting data. So for instance, like if we look at uh, the actual ratings for uh, UGA, right? Georgia, um, on, in S&P Plus right now, Georgia, I believe, is third or fourth, um, 24.8 uh, points better than the... Oh, no, actually, they're second this, this week. 24.8 points better Ooh. than the average team, right? UAB mm-hmm. is in SP Plus right now, uh, 64th, something like that, in the 50s. at 6.4 points better. So, you know, SP Plus has this as a 22-point... Um, as a 22 point game Sagarin has this as a Sagarin has UGA at 21 and a half points up above the average and UAB actually weirdly enough Sagarin has them at negative five so yeah Sagarin has this as a um a, a pretty big uh UGA win as well so or no no Sag- sorry Sagarin has them at 1.29 so still about 20 points so it's just really interesting because like one of the sort of th- one of the things that uh, these composite power rankings like SP plus and FPI and Freemau and and you know even the old computer composites like Massey, one of the things that those are trying to do is to meld the two sides of football analytics that you have access to, right? So you have access to the play by play derived stats, but those can be sort of misleading because of the the limited number of plays, the limited amount of data. And then you have access to the pre-existing sort of like prior stats, right? But those can be misleading because they don't account for variables introduced after they were recorded, right? So recruiting ranking doesn't account for development and injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's sort of why we were on SP Plus for so long. And I and I still think why SP Plus is so good. And, and and other systems like it, you know, FPI, I don't really like because it's um, FPI is like a closed system. It's a walled garden. We don't know what the calculations are, but we do for SPNP plus. But I, I think, I mean, to kind of get this ramble back around to UAB, <laughs> I think this is one of the, that this is to sort of get into our subjective stuff and how it matches up this, this sort of the, the picture that you get from the stats is the picture that I think all of us have narratively coming in, which is that this is a, this is a team that UGA should be better than at pretty much every position, right? UGA is going to have a better class of player, you know, from the long snapper to quarterback, pretty much a hundred percent of it. Right. And to gunner to whatever. Um, But UAB for their level of talent has played well this year in one, in one opportunity. So, you know, we know that this is a well-coached team. Kirby Smart and Bill Clark are friends. They have run in some of the same circles. I think they've been on one coaching staff together, I want to say. Let's see. Piedmont, Tuscaloosa, Coffee County, Dothan, Prattville, South Alabama. No, they weren't, actually. They were never on the hmm. same um, coaching staff together. But, you know, Bill Clark is like a Alabama guy. He was at Jack State when Kirby was in uh, when Kirby was at Alabama. And, you know, there's like sort of a kind of collegiality to that. And I know that they're actually just friends. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the advanced statistics and the analytics match up to what our eyes are seeing, which is that, yeah, this is a team that if UGA screws around and acts like Michigan or circa 2007, yeah, they can get beat. But that that's a black swan, right? This is a team that UGA should kind of just run off the field. I mean, I think to me, what feels like the worst case scenario for this game 
is that UAB sticks around and scores like a fluky touchdown and ends up like four points in the first quarter. And then UGAB, UGA is like, screw it. We're going to run inside zone until you stop it. And then they just don't mm-hmm. because they just run inside zone on every play. And, you know, we win 28 to seven or something stupid. I think that's like probably your worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are, um, what are yeah. some things that we expect to see, want to see? think uh well i think good to see if it were to happen (laughs) yeah i mean i think so i think a couple of indicators of how the game went like something worth highlighting a total pass attempts right like i talked about earlier there's this Mm -hmm. tension between well if you just wanted to get the win you'd run it 60 times and you'd be real conservative Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't show anybody anything else but you also really need to show some improvement offensively and try to try to sort of develop some continuity so I, I think just how many times does UJ pass the ball is a really good indicator of how the game went. If UJ passed the ball, passes the ball like 30 times because they want to, then yeah, mm-hmm. the game's probably going pretty well because you you stake yourself a good lead and you 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 know screw around with the second and third teams and see what happens. Yeah. Um, if it's because they have to, you know, that's concern, obviously, but I, I don't see that happening. Yeah. The other one I, I think that would be interesting that's just going to be not really like this will decide the outcome of the game, but just more like this kind of shows you some stuff for going forward. Some, some more information going forward is, you know, what, what are hurry surrendered by UGA's offensive line? QB hurry surrendered. Um, UAB isn't the same caliber of teams UGA, as we previously discussed, but they do have athletes defensively. They have some sec transfers. They have, I think an sec transfer quarterback, but defensively, they got a couple of guys on the edge who can run. Um, it sounds like maybe so Tate Ratledge is out for the year. It sounds like that mm-hmm. maybe Jamari Sawyer will move back to his natural position at left tackle and that Broderick Jones, who is a very, very talented, I think, sophomore, I want to say, uh, is going to come in and take over at left tackle. Uh, Jones is a guy who is a technician who's real big. He can move. But, you know, he has the reputation as being still a little bit point po- uh, weak at the point of attack, maybe not quite the road grader of a uh, uh, run blocker. So I'd really like to see. A, you know, how does he hold up at left tackle if he starts and or plays a significant amount of time? And B, how does he look on run plays? Because knowing Kirby and Matt Luke, given that if they will challenge him by running, you know, split zone to his side, by running outside zone to his side, just to see what he does on run grades. And, and I think Broderick Jones is sort of the future of the offensive line. Um so it'll be interesting just to see how far along he's come. And, you know, if he can hold out, if he looks good there, that's that really bodes well because Jamari Sellier is probably an NFL guard and not an NFL tackle. So if we can be inside yeah. comfortably, that, that bodes well for UJ going forward. Uh, things I want to see, I want to see A.D. Mitchell and Jermaine Burton. And specifically, I want to see Jermaine Burton blocking. I know he's been mm-hmm. dealing with some injuries, but, like, Jermaine Burton probably cost UJ a touchdown on blocks, on just blocking alone last week. Um, and you know, if he's hurt, that's fine. But, uh, I, I just, I, I really need to see something out of him because he really should be one of the leaders on the team for the record. Broderick Jones is number 59. If you're looking on, uh, <laughs> on, on Saturday that I always like, yeah. I always want to like know what the number is. Cause that's like something it's just hard to tell when they're in the, on the line. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see? I mean, you've actually already touched on it is, uh, I was pretty impressed and, and happy about the fact that we called a pretty even game last week. A pretty it was both passing and running and, and balanced across the two. And so 
Uh, I appreciated that. There was nothing too predictable. There was nothing that we did because we had to do it. It felt a game, like a game that it was always in our control. Um, it was very much in Clemson control at certain parts as well. But uh, it feels good to be able to do what you want to do and be in control of, of your own destiny, so to speak. And so I'd like to see more of the same, just with more effectiveness. Um, I'll also add, just for the sake of, you know, for of subjective narratives, I would, if we throw it through the air and get if we get passing touchdowns i want to i want it to be touchdowns from daniels (laughs) and if we have to have uh carson beckin getting touchdowns i would love for it to be in garbage time or um i would love for it to be just one or two uh but i don't want carson beck to like ball out so that we have to suffer through (laughs) just yeah just radio madness and subjective uh bullshit excuse me (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about it, but yeah, I hope he balls out for his own sake, but just for mm-hmm. uh, selfish reasons. I'd rather for the sake not. for the sake of my mental health. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I hope he so, balls out in limited action. I hope he balls out when is, the yeah. UAB second string is in. You know what I mean? That would be cool. Yeah, that's what we want. Ball out. Get it. Get it, son. Um, this is a pretty quick episode, of course, but uh, we'll have plenty more to say uh, in the rest of the episode. But we're moving very quickly along here into our over-unders. So do you have some over-unders you want to share with me? Yeah, over-under 0.5 JT Daniels snaps in the second half. I think probably under. I think he doesn't. I don't think he snaps. I don't think he takes a snap yeah. in, the second, in the second half. I think it's more likely to see, yeah, to see Stetson Bennett in the second half than it is to see JT Daniels in the second half. Um, you know, just to return to an old friend. <laughs> Uh, what about over under 0.5 UAB rushing touchdowns? Do we give one to them? Um, no, under for me. You don't think so? Okay, I'm gonna also say under just because I, I like the streak. You know, we're starting strong. Um, mm-hmm. I'd really like for it to remain that way. I don't want our rushing touchdown Although to be given I, to. I, I will say, like, part of me wants to say over just because I think we might see the third string defense on this game a lot. So yeah. I'm gonna change mine to over just to fade you. Okay. Uh, uh, what about? Well, go ahead. You got it. Yours? Oh, yep. okay. Point uh, five. Brock Vandergriff pass attempts. Ooh, baby boy. Uh, I don't think we see him this game. I would really love to see him this game, but I think, uh, from what I understand, he's still playing with the scout team a whole bunch, and so I don't really think that we get all the way down the the roster to Vandergriff. I'm gonna say over. I, I I think we might beat the hell out of this team. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I mean I think it's gonna probably be like it's gonna feel close you know until it just mm-hmm. all of a sudden doesn't and usually it's gonna be up like 28 13 or something you know yeah. 28 10 and and like so i mean i don't think it's gonna be like a 50 point alabama ass whipping on some fcf school but i i think that it's gonna be a pretty convincing win i i just think uh it's sort of a it's sort of dumb coach speak but i think defense travels man and if they come out and play, I mean, this I'm giving I'm giving UAB ten points just because like that's the way football works is that like sometimes mm-hmm. you give up a touchdown uh, in my prediction, but like I think that might be kind of generous, man. Like if UGA's defense yeah. comes to the ball, like if I think we I given that I given that touchdown to like the th- second team defense, but I just think if UGA's defense comes to ball, like they're not scoring, and yeah. even if the offense stutters some, um, I just like. UJ's stuttering offense when you give it enough chances is going to score some points basically is my thought all right give me give me an over under 
three and a half sacks against UAB. Do we sack him more than three times or less than three times? Over. Slam it. Slam yeah. it. Slam it. Yeah, yeah. We're not gonna we're not we're gonna play vanilla defense the whole day, but like are, are, you're asking me, can I get three sacks on two hundred and eighty pound pound offensive linemen out of a combination <laughs> of Jordan Davis, you know, uh Nolan Smith, Tramel Wall uh Hour, like, come on now. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, in, in the past when we've played smaller teams, we, we tend to play, like you said, vanilla defense and, and keep it pretty simple. Yeah, I and, mean, I mean which, look, we, we had three yeah. or four, three of the sacks last week were on were on three-man rushes, man. I mean, like, yeah. and they're going to be teams that have better offensive lines than Kentucky, or than uh, Clemson's this year that we play, but <laughs> UAB ain't it. And I will point out, too, UAB like, ain't it. like, remember in season two and three when we were like, hey, like, this this kirby defense is pretty good but like where are the havoc plays where are the havoc plays well they're here yeah. now man they're here baby I, I mean if you got yeah. any doubts about this team's ability to put to cause havoc like we were getting havoc with a three-man rush man tom wathauer mm-hmm. like was one of the least impactful defensive linemen on the rush the pass rush but he had two batted passes like everybody's balling now you know i yeah. mean obviously you might just not see those guys enough for it to happen i think that's the not getting to four sacks against this team is probably just because Either the second team D comes in or, you know, Kirby's Bill Clark's friend. I don't know that he's going to be throwing like three man complicated pressures against this team once we get up, you know, Um, that's Mm -hmm. the only reason to take the under. All right. uh, My last one, three passing touchdowns over under. We'll say I'll make it interesting and make it a half. I'll say over under 2.5 passing touchdowns by UGA. Uh, I'll say under and and say I I expect one or two. Three seems a. like like you said if we ball (laughs) like yeah absolutely um i'm gonna say over just because i think i think i think we're gonna throw the ball a little bit more but i don't think we're gonna need to throw it more because i think that if you look at why uga's game plan was stymied against clemson it was because not only did they have a well-coached defense they had dudes who could run in the secondary and they were just really just tackling the hell out of ball carriers behind the line of scrimmage and i just think if you put UAB's defensive backfield in the place of uh, Clemson in that game, you know, UGA probably has 21 points off of just busted plays and yard after the catch mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. My very last one is over under three and a half UGA rushing touchdowns. Windmills. Well, oh, oh, hold on. Four <laughs> is a lot. Um, I'm going to say Four under. is a lot. I'm going to say under. Yeah. I don't know that. that I makes- don't know that U- UGA is going to get to like 50 points, you know? Yeah, I, think, I don't think they I think get Kirby, 50 points either. Kirby likes Bill Clark way too much for <laughs> to do that to him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kirby has shown like he's not gonna like put his he's not gonna put his nuts in somebody's face like even when we wish that he would. So mm-hmm. if he actually likes somebody, like you know, I wish he would. Uh, I'll say uh, over just because I think this game will stay on the ground for the most part. But you know, I I think four touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns is not absurd especially with this uh running running back core but we'll see what happens and also i like to just be you know keep it a little bit different you know mm-hmm. but uh what what is your overall prediction of this game what do you think we might see i mean i think that the offense is going to be frustrating the defense is going to ball just because that's what they do i think offense is going to be frustrating mainly because we're going to play real conservative and yeah we're going to probably come out there on the first or second series and just sort of have a three and out just like an old school frustrating mike bobo three and out where it's like run run pass uh, mm-hmm. and then I think it's going to be one of those games that's close until it's not, you know, I think we might be, 
it might be like 17 to 7 in the second quarter or whatever. And then suddenly you look up and four minutes into the third quarter, it's like 28 to 7. You're like, what the fuck happened? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. like, so I, I'm saying 35-10. I could probably say see 35-3. I just think keeping someone blanked is hard. And it's, oh, yes. I mean, and UB, UAB is not that bad. So I think you got to give them like one touchdown. And of course, I said that about Clemson and, you know, look what happened. But also, I don't think we're going to be playing the first team the whole game. And I don't think we're going to be playing with the same intensity because we're going to be up. So I'm just going to yeah. give them the touchdown. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I know it's hard and I'm, I'm saying this against my better judgment, but for the sake of like, you know, just poetry in general, uh, my prediction is UGA 31 to UAB zero because that was, that's the reverse of the score from last <laughs> week for them. And I would love to see Georgia have a, a resounding win against a team they should have a resounding win against in much the same fashion as I'm laying out here. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like the defense coming off of last week needs to continue to show that sort of intensity just for the the folks out there that are suffering from recency bias. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if they see this week that the defense gives up two touchdowns or even one touchdown, there'll be like, well, I don't know. Maybe it was just a flash in the pan against the the third best team in the nation. And, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. But yeah, it should be a fun game. I'm I'm excited to play uh, these folks, and I'm excited to watch the game and, and enjoy it. So, should be nice. But uh, mm-hmm. let's get into our our favorite segment, our Ask CBC segment. And if uh, you would like to hear your questions asked on a future episode, make sure that you just get get them to us in some form or fashion. We tend to record on Sundays and sometime in the middle of the week, so you can get them to us on Twitter with the hashtag Ask CBC, or email them to us, or I've said in the past, and it hasn't happened yet, but I will say it until it does. Just put a little note in Nathan's pocket if you see him. The first question comes from Irked Russell. Very first question. Are you ready for QB Controversy 2021? Peace was short-lived. Mm. Mm. <laughs> this is the part of the episode where Nathan just grunts through it because his voice is gone at this point. But No, yeah, I mean, I think I, that we've... the idea of that happening hurts me in my soul, but it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen regardless, I know. Uh, it's just kind of how this thing goes, but... Uh, second question: Over under two and a half UGA punts against UAB. Ooh. Oh, two and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say under. I don't know. I'm bullish. I'm just gonna run the ball. <laughs> That's a lot of drives. Uh, to I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I'll say over. Uh, I'll say three is is reasonable. Um. But no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say under, actually. I'm going to say under. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. JT Daniels says yet to start a game wearing a red UGA jersey. If he does not play Saturday, then is it a curse? Uh, Yes, it is. It's the red jersey curse. We just have to be the away team from now on. No more red jerseys. It's official. It's officially If that's cursed. what it takes yeah. to get the nat- natty, then that's fine. Uh, Cap Falcon asks, do you subscribe to the Sith Lord Jar Jar Binks theory? No, I just think that... Are you, you're you familiar with this one, right? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I just don't think George Lucas is a very good writer. No, let me rephrase. <laughs> That's not true. Let, let me rephrase. That was that was a really hot take. Good world builder. Give, give me a second. Good world, world Excellent builder. Excellent world builder. He's a good crafter of narrative arcs. I don't think he's a very good like technical plot architect, right? He, mm-hmm. he He's really good. He's a really good city planner, and he's a really bad architect would be the analogy I would That's use. That's fair. Uh, and More so macro, I don't, less micro. I don't think that he, I think that Jar Jar Binks was, so there's two ways to, oh God, I'm about to really lose my voice. 
So there's two ways to look at this from the a media standpoint. One is Watsonian and one is one is uh, Doylean. And basically like Doylean research uh, or Doylean uh, analysis is from the standpoint of just like, what do we know about the author themselves in the real world, right? We break the fourth wall when we do Doylean research and we or uh, analysis and we say like, what is what 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 is probably true about this based on what we know about the author, right? So the Doylean school of thought is probably like, well, uh, Georgia Binks was just a means to an end, right? And he just, a character had to be there to recommend that the Democrat, like the Republic be suspended. And Georgia Binks was just the guy in the room that he could make be there, right? Because he had already mm-hmm. moved Padme around and blah, 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 blah. Now the Watsonian uh, analysis is, ana- is, it's sort of like, world building formalism so it's like watsonian analysis named after watson the guy from sherlock holmes the sidekick character or whatever the, who's the vo- viewpoint character he's a limited viewpoint character so watsonian analysis is formalist in the sense that it it only looks at not just the words on the page but actually inside of the context of the world of the story so it is it is sort of like a diegetical analysis right so a watsonian would tell you that you know it's unlikely that george R. binks is the actual sith lord because of the rule of twos, right? And so there, and and it depends on whether or not you think the legend canon is real or not. But given that we believe George uh, Lucas's constant insistence that there are only two Sith, which I don't know that I do, but given that we believe that that's true, and we're just working in the context of that canonical universe, it doesn't really make sense for Jar Jar Binks <laughs> to be the second, the third Sith master, right? Right, and and furthermore. If we believe that Palpatine actually is the level of like sort of Machiavellian planner that he claims to be and seems to be based on his inability to die, right? And his ability to like predict things that can't be predicted, then like why would he need a stu? He wouldn't need a willing accomplice in the place of Jar Jar. He would just need someone who would make a motion, a parliamentary motion. So, no, I don't buy it. <laughs> and I'm glad I spent like the uh, last 50 you. words I'll say today on that. <laughs> so, carry on. I was going to say, yeah. We still have a few more questions, but we're almost done. <laughs> That's the last we heard of Nathan. Uh, K-Sarge asks, if you could pick a fantasy creature to be UGA's mascot, what would it be? And uh, he added an addendum, uh, a couple addendums. Please rate it on your personal Kinsey monster scale. And bonus points if we can create a fanfic in which they fight between, uh, there is a fight between the fantasy mascots. Um, let me just add, before, you know, while your voice is still sort of uh, uh, recovering from the Star Wars rant, that... Before Blazer was the mascot for UAB, the mascot was oh crap, what was his name? It was uh, it's not it's not Doylean, it's Doylean. It was anyway. Carry on. I forgot what it. Was. <laughs> it was I think it was Beauregard R. Rooster, um, and it remained Beauregard R. Rooster until I believe like almost until the 90s like it continued in even when blazer was introduced in the late 70s because everybody hated the original blazer because it looked like a chicken um and so beauregard rooster continued on and not to say i don't know if you know of any are there any like chicken uh or rooster like uh mythical creatures that we could make uh for the well UAB I mean, mascot the chanticleer but no the the cockatrice cockatrice yeah. i think is like the the closest thing to if you want okay. to be like mythological, it's kind of like a big fighting mm-hmm. chicken. Uh, for UGA, well, I mean, obviously, I don't want like a Kinsey scale rated monster to be my mascot because mm-hmm. that's gross, right? Like, it can't be on the Kinsey scale <laughs> if it can't consent. That's my thing. Um, mm-hmm. Or I think that's just like universally true. Um, yeah. Let me think. What's a cool, what's like my favorite? 
Are we talking like Greek mythology? Or are we talking like any world ever period? Mm. Any world ever period now. Hmm. Powerful. I mean, <laughs> I, it, I, I think it would be like, I'd have to do like the Tarrasque, right? Would be like the kind of lame D&D answer. It's like this giant dinosaur thing. Um, I'm a re- I'm I'm like a really big fan of like just like dumb wild like eight headed dragon kind of guys, right? So like I think mm-hmm. the Georgia fighting Tiamats was like an chaotic evil dragon god Ooh. from Dra- Dungeons and Dragons would be fun. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I, I like could also very s- much the Griffins. I mean, if you want like just like what's the most like football mascotty fantasy creature? It's definitely the Griffin, right? It's like a combination mm-hmm. of an eagle and a lion, which is like the two most two of the most common football mascots ever, right? You just like slap them together, you get a griffin. It even looks I really enjoy, like a football player. I was gonna say there's uh there's a lot of really great um roller derby team names and mascots, and there's also a lot of really great uh uh ultimate frisbee, uh professional ultimate frisbee. All right, hold on, I, I got teams mine. as well. I got mine. You get yeah. you give me yours, but I have my final answer. You give me yours first. I don't have one necessarily. I was just going to go into a few of these different names while you kind of riffed, but hit me with it. All right. My answer is the UGA Merfolk, and let me give you why. Okay. One, <laughs> not known for their strength. We're going to reject toxic toxic masculinity. We're all about guile mm-hmm. from here on out. Two, they can be any color because they're from the ocean, so we can keep red and black because we could have some like coral snake kind of Merfolk. Three, general neutral from the outset. Not mermen, merfolk, right? Four, a sense mm-hmm. of inclusivity because we are all folk together, right? Once a folk, always a folk, right? And five, <laughs> more folk is my favorite Magic the Gathering deck. So carry on. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was probably going to be number one, but I love it. Last question comes from Christy in London. What one piece of Athens infrastructure not connected to UGA would you like to see improved? I yield the remainder of my time to Justin. <laughs> There's so much. I'm going to give a really boring answer, though. So I'm, I'm actually on the T-SPLOS committee right now for 2023 for Clark County. And so it's not I, my answer will not be a fun answer because my answer is like, let's add some uh, let's make sure we have some sidewalks and uh, <laughs> crosswalks on the east side that's been uh, criminally underserved and ignored for the the last several uh, decades uh, is is really not really, you know, a great answer and not great airtime. Um but I think other than that, I would really, I mean, one of my biggest, my favorite things that's happening right now in, in downtown Athens, and it doesn't look like anything right now, is they're redoing the downtown area to allow for greater foot traffic. And there are, they've closed down college uh, right there by broad to make all of that into a permanent plaza one day. Right now, it's just a closed down street with picnic tables and everything, but I'm very excited for it to eventually be done. And those of you that are upset about uh, how bare, um, the downtown area looks right now just know that they are putting in uh fairly mature trees that are made for (sighs) urban development and urban redevelopment so the ones that were there before they were actually busting into the sewers and ruining the sidewalks and roads and so they had to remove those they're going to put in new ones that have a more like central root system that will uh, be better overall so it'll be okay it'll be okay don't worry. And my favorite, actually, my favorite thing that's going on right now is the Greenway is being finished uh, to connect to the Firefly Trail, which will be super neat. Those of you that are Swamp Rabbit fans, um, Swamp Rabbit Trail fans, it's going to be super cool. So that's my um, probably too boring answer. Uh, some of you may have wanted to say the 
murmured Trestle, but don't really care about it. Sorry. <laughs> That's our show. Um, do you want me to see us out? Please do. Save me. All right. Yes. So this has been Chapel Bell Curve. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you subscribe to a podcast, of course. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell, Bell Curve, by email by searching Chapel Bell Curve. Just kidding. ChapelBellCurve at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Chapel Bell Curve. If you'd like to support this podcast and what we do here and join a burgeoning crew of degenerates and lovely people, uh, it just costs $1 to support us on Patreon and you can join our Discord and you get these episodes early along with bonus content and the like. And uh, last but not least, if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to give us a rating and a review. And until next time, y'all, we'll catch you in the Classic City this weekend, actually, uh, at 3.30 p.m. when the Georgia Bulldogs take on the UAB Blazers. And until then, though, go, go dogs. dogs.